welcome to the Sourced Podcast Week in Review, the last day of September. My name is Michael Crutcher. Jordan McDonald, welcome. Hi, Michael. We're decorating in the boardroom today. We have, haven't we? Oh, you have. I haven't. (laughs) (laughs) We've got Norse Devils jerseys out behind us, um, as I'm sure you can see through the uh, podcast, Mm -hmm. um, to celebrate the Devils, who 55 comms are proud supporters of, winning back-to-back Host Plus Cup Yes, well done. Well done. Go Devils. And uh, playing Sunday, the hope of Queensland on NRL Grand Final Day too. Ooh. So playing the Penrith Panthers in the NRL State Championship, mm-hmm. 20 past 12 Queensland time. Okay. 1.20 Sunday if you live in a state that uh, has the foresight to have daylight saving. <laughs> <laughs> if you are so fortunate to have that. But, hey, that's another topic for a different day it on is. the Source podcast. We can't start this one, Jordan, without talking about Optus. How can we not? But there's been so much said about Optus, we don't want to sit there and go across things that people have done over and over. But one thing that you wanted to look at uh, was social media and the social media reaction to what has been an epic fail of uh, from a data hack that's released details um, of uh, customers identification documents such as driver's licenses, passports, whatever. Yep. So we, we know all about a lot of that. But what have you noticed from looking into the social media discussion, reaction to what's happened with Optus? There's been a fair bit there and it's been quite the pylon for the last week for, for Optus. Uh, and rightfully so, I get it. But I, um, I wrote a blog this week about the topic and what I saw on social media and there's a couple of points that I... Um, that I made in that, and I'll just share them here today as well. But um, one of the the main points that I noticed from social media's response to the incident was uh, that incompetence or perceived incompetence in this in this uh, situation has just been disaster. Yeah. So you know, social media's criticism for Optus um, it, it's it's been brutal. Yeah. Absolutely brutal, and um, plenty of speculations come about from various publications that you know the the vulnerability within optus wasn't so wasn't um that um that protected in the first place yeah so there's been sort of talk that um it's not like it was uh yeah sort of a uh, cyber criminal master gang sitting somewhere in some part of the world that's it it, it might have been some bloke twirling his pen uh with a laptop at very home. well could have been it very yeah. well could have been it could have been a young kid you never know but, um, yeah, look, so a, a guy, a city journalist posted screenshots of the conversation he was having with this hacker and whatever else and, and um, you know, whether or not it's true or not, social media's law, you know, law sort of says that if it's in the feed it must be true and people oh. have <laughs> just latched onto that and um, Optus has been branded completely incompetent. That's right. I want to believe it and there's something in my social media feed that gives me confidence that I can believe it. Yeah. So that's a big help. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I noticed there's, um, is that Australians want personal identification requirements revised. Um, and that sort of stems from the actual data that was being collected. Uh, so, you know, it's been... A popular topic, so much so that it sort of sits among the top pop, yeah. top of the the trending, the Optus uh, hack list. So there. this is the basis that yes, you need the identification documents yeah. to open your account. Yeah. So what they yeah. yeah. So what they're saying is to 
that the the laws need to be changed that once you've provided and proved your identity those documents get removed yeah they don't need to be there anymore yeah Yeah. so you know that's that's been a strong topic on social media in the in the feedback yeah another topic was that the online conversation turned pretty political pretty quickly and it's not surprising i was wondering when to get to that because uh hey it's social media yeah there's got to be politics in there pretty soon yeah and it was particularly on twitter no surprise there either but it was sparked mostly by a clip that um, was uploaded by the cybersecurity minister in which she says that the, you know she was asked you know does optus is saying that this hack was you know sophisticated was it she says no it wasn't it was very blunt, very uh, very sharp. Um, but people responded politically. One of them, one um, one user on Twitter said, "And that data was available because of legislation Labor supported." And you know, from there, this fantastic, interesting thread of uh, commentary <laughs> ensued. <laughs> but um, yeah, it turned pretty political pretty quickly, and you know, various. MPs chimed in and, and had their bit too. It's been a bit of a, a political opportunity if you're uh, not in the firing line there. How'd you go after you went through Twitter looking at the Optus reaction? Did you have to go and sit down and look at pictures of happy things? Oh, I didn't have to go cleanse myself, <laughs> but um, I just I closed Twitter down for until today, really. I just don't look, belong on Twitter, I don't think. <laughs> and that was enough Twitter for me just to write the blog. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the last thing I noticed too was the importance of the correct using the right language. Um, you know, w- we know very well here that in any crisis, using the right language is very important. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, and unfortunately, in Optus's case, um, people and its customers don't think that its communication has been up to mark. Um, so the most common post that I was seeing on social media the last couple of days um, were screenshots of text messages, automated text messages or emails of the bill or promotions, you know, where you buy in and have a chance to win something. But the main thing people were pointing out was amongst all the communications, whether it was bill-related or situation-related, there was no apology. No one just said, I'm sorry, we're sorry, nothing like that. So customers were just sharing all their screenshots uh, from these things with uh, their own snip back at Optus. But um, there may well have been an apology included somewhere, but I'm not a Telstra, Optus customer, sorry, not Telstra. So, yeah, I don't know. One thing I was interested in looking through all of that and how they handled this was when it comes to these crisis moments, um, what's the role of the lawyers and what's the role of the communication experts in dictating Mm. how you respond and, and I guess the text you use as well? And we've done... Plenty of crisis work uh, here over the years. And yes, you do need legal advice. That's important. But you cannot let your lawyers dictate how you respond. Just in the same way that lawyers don't let um, communications experts uh, make the legal decisions. True. Lawyers shouldn't think that uh, they have the final say. Yes, it's very important to know what the boundaries are legally. Mm -hmm. It's very important. But they have to be the starting point, if you like, and then you have to enable, I guess, a better understanding to come into it of what can be said, not what can't be said. And it's a big distinction. And I don't know, of course, I'm speculating here. I haven't been involved in 
any of this discussion with Optus, but you know, you know, there are times when, and I've been involved in this, when you've been told, do not apologise because maybe that will leave us legally exposed. Yeah. So all of these things, I don't know what's happened on this occasion, but it, it's the importance of ensuring that you understand the manner to respond in and the right tone to use. I, I put this down as the worst crisis comp situation since uh, Dreamworld oh, yeah. and its parent company, Ardent Leisure, had the situation several years ago when you know, tragically people mm. died at Dreamworld. Um, you know, and it's always going to be tragic for, you know, the families of, of those people. What happened after that was just a bumbling response in many ways mm. by Ardent Leisure. Um, this has been a bit of a different scenario, but it's got... When you have lines reaching around corners for people to get new driver's licences or yeah. you know, talk of how you get a new passport, etc. Um, you get into that realm where crisis comms moves into the reasons that we do workshops with people <laughs> and we'll do workshops and we'll work on some scenarios and sometimes the participants say, oh, that's never going to happen. Um, yeah, and hopefully it never does, <laughs> of course, but... Optus will probably tell you now that every crisis comms workshop you've done needs to have these situations. Needs to have them, yeah. This one's barreled into territory where I'm sure Optus wouldn't have uh, even run this in a workshop, but no. that's the situation and who knows where it ends. We've still got um, you know, bills to be sent by governments to Optus for the licences and, it, the and passport. passports. Yeah. yeah. So there's a fair bit to this one. It will be one that any uh, crisis comms or uh, issues management people uh, look at and uh, use as a case study in time to come. But we're a long way from being finished yet. And I reckon we'll probably talk about it again at some stage of this podcast. Yeah, probably. It'd be, it'd be tough going over there at the moment. Will be. in the weekend uh, won't be any... Uh, the long weekend won't be much, uh, much assistance on that. Now, we've spoken a fair bit on this Sourced week in review about sporting rights on TV. The AFL Grand Final last Saturday, Geelong smashed the Sydney Swans, smashed them. Uh, Jordan, how many Australians watched the afternoon AFL Grand Final from Melbourne? 3.06 million Aussies. They tuned in to Channel 7's coverage of the Grand Final and it was among the worst ratings in the league's history, unfortunately. Um, compared to last year, it, uh, this year's number was 900,000 fewer and this year's number was 750,000 750, fewer than 2020. So it's, yeah, it's a, it's a ways off. So we're coming in there as well. We know the last uh, two years have had um, COVID comparisons, of mm. course, with lockdowns, but they've also had night grand finals, 2020 being here in Brisbane. Yes. 2021 in Perth when uh, the Demons won. So we're comparing... Night grand finals in COVID to uh, an after traditional afternoon slot last week when, um, let's face it, this game was over by quarter time. Oh, yeah. It was brutal. Yeah. <laughs> it was ugly. It was lucky it didn't blow out to a 100-point win, to be honest. A couple of sneaky goals by the Swans at the end. But, yeah, no, it, the, the, the viewership has renewed calls for that change to the twilight slot, and I reckon that's important to consider. That's it, because it's the big debate here does the game go to a later slot where we know traditionally viewer numbers lift because, mm. you know, people are in their homes more more likely? Um, you know, there's the options of the afternoon, twilight or evening. It's the debate that we seem to have every year. 
traditionalists want to keep it in the afternoon. Um, when the NRL went to a night grand final roughly 20 years ago, there was an outcry, but I do recall uh, in I do recall Channel Nine, the rights holder, saying something like, "Well, when you um, spend uh, millions and millions of dollars for the TV rights, yeah, you can decide, you can decide yeah. when." <laughs> uh, and and because we have, we'll we'll decide it now. And I mean, it's entrenched now in the NRL, and we've got the grand final this Sunday night, six thirty Brisbane time, seven thirty Sydney time, um, which is a night one. But there was, I noticed Chad Townsend, the Cowboys, uh, halfback today, putting on social media, how about an afternoon grand final, mm. which is just like debating daylight saving. You know, you'll always get a debate on it. But yeah. what are your thoughts on it? Is it afternoon? Is it twilight? Is it evening? I reckon it's got to be twilight. I think it's a no-brainer. So more people are at home to watch it at that time. It's a more suitable time for people to get around to the various venues around the country and, and get around it. Um, and the night games, for me at least, just tend to have a better feel about them. It's more exciting. It's it's more impressive. Because you weren't uh, home last weekend, were no, you? No, last weekend I was working and I'm, I'm more of an AFL nut than I am any other sport. So I was pretty keen to watch the, the uh, grand final, but I was working. So I was doing the live score refresh on my phone. Yeah, so it's like a Saturday afternoon is a busy time for a lot That's of people. That's it. People are out and about doing things at 2, 2.30 in the afternoon on a Saturday um, and I reckon moving it to later to maximise the audience that could watch um, makes sense. Like for the grand final on the weekend just gone, while the average audience was you know just over three million, the uh, the total audience was um, five point seven six million. So I mean, it's obviously the result. I assume affected viewership yeah. a bit. You know, they. they Flicked across, saw how lopsided it was, and went, "Yeah, right, I don't, I don't yeah. know where this ends. So I'm out of here." If people love a contest. In yeah, sport. but you know, I reckon that number would get far larger in the twilight. Plus, the kids love to watch it. It's a family thing too on the weekend. It's a nice thing to do. So yeah, I, I must say I'm a fan of the twilight slot, um, mm. especially with kids. And I think the state of origin games in rugby league are far too late. They're, they're just too late. You need kids coming through and getting excited, and that's it. Know, these games of origin that end at 10 o'clock or after are just too late. They should be on earlier. Twilight's good. The family can watch it. You can still have your celebrations. But importantly for advertisers, they want to have more people watching TVs. And in the end, that's what pays for this game. Well, that's what I'm thinking. When when you quote that fellow the other time, when, when you're paying the millions, you can choose when. I said, well, wouldn't you, wouldn't you choose to play it when more people would see it? Yeah, that's, and that's, I don't get it. And that's what keeps – we talk about this, what keeps it going. It's, it's the money, the TV revenue. So, you know, this debate will keep coming up. Um, TV's broadcasters want it later and they want to get that advertising revenue. So let's see what happens next year. We're both fans of uh, the Twilight slot. Not that the AFL cares what you and I say, but no, let's just don't. put it no. out there and we'll uh, watch the <laughs> uh, NRL Grand Final this Sunday night. Now, the last topic I wanted to look at was an interesting one from, and this would be the first time we have discussed the August Journal Science on the Week in Review podcast. Uh, that but, is true, yes. Uh, Science had a very interesting article that came out in the last uh, week and it looked at the experimentation of LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So the LinkedIn um, social media behemoth and what it did to change a few things uh, for its users. So um, this science article was also uh written with the help of the LinkedIn researchers. So it's a very interesting piece. It's worth a read. Um, So these are experiments that LinkedIn and others don't publicise, but they're part of everyday life in social media operations. So 
They test algorithms to make sure that users are as engaged as possible because that's how social media companies make their cash. They need you to be engaged. Mm -hmm. So the more engaged you are, the better it is for them to obviously sell ads. So what LinkedIn did uh, from uh, twice, 2016, 2019, um, over those those years, was it looked at the people you know algorithms. So if you go on LinkedIn, it'll like you go on, you know, Facebook or others, people Mm -hmm. maybe you should connect with. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's an automated system, um, recommends these new connections. What they did was they tweaked it so that you are more likely to see people who were maybe potential weak contacts. So maybe it's a friend, it's a connection of someone you work with rather than being the person you work with or or, or very close friends. So they had sort of people giving uh, options of weaker uh, ties and stronger ties. And what they wanted to do was see what was more effective in generating job opportunities? Did you get more job opportunities from people who were acquaintances, if you like, who you sort of knew? Mm -hmm. Or did you get them from people who were better friends with you? And the answer to spoil the whole science article was, of course, that the weaker ties are twice as effective in securing employment as stronger social ties. So the weaker people help you. Now, that's interesting in itself, probably not unexpected. Um, here's the point though, this is what's generated some of the uh, publicity. Is it ethical? Is it ethical to mess around with uh, what different people see in terms of connections and it may um, impact on people's job prospects, etc.? Of course. Don't forget the outcry when it was revealed Facebook manipulated news feeds to test people's emotions and what they consume. Of course, so, you yeah, know, they made th- the feed angrier and all that. That's yeah, right. That's it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, um, you know, so uh, so that, that, that's been done before and we know this. Mm-hmm. So is it ethical? Well, um, here's the point. If you're using social media and you don't think that they're experimenting with you, then Jordan and I have got some great land to sell yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> Very good land. <laughs> And uh, we'll do a magnificent deal for you. Yeah, yeah. You are the product on social media. You are the product. You get it for free. If you get something for free, as has been said time and time again, this is not our discovery, it's well known. If something's for free, the product is you. You will be tested on, you will be used. So, of course, they're making um, experiments on users. Is it ethical? Well, in the end, it doesn't matter if it's ethical because it ain't going to change. Correct. And and you're part of this machine. You've given all your details over for free. Uh, it happens in every social media mm-hmm. organisation. I guess the most interesting part is what uh, we suspected but of the result, but it's higher than we, th- than we thought. That is quite interesting and leads to a whole bunch of other conversations. But, Jordan, your thoughts on this one? I completely agree. I mean, you can always bet your life that any social network you're using um, is running experience, experiments on you at some point. Um, you know, the point of these experiments typically is to improve the user experience. Um, but the lines do get a bit blurry when you start to meddle with things like job opportunities yep. and emotions the way yeah. Facebook did. But, you know, like you said, we have to remember these social networks. They want as much of our attention as possible and that requires constant tinkering with the platform. And often there, there's little invisible changes. And... Um, you know, these little invisible changes that have happened since social media started you know, has created some pretty nasty behaviour in people. I actually read a report today where um, a few of the findings were pretty concerning. You know, some finding 
that uh, tweeting was harder to resist than cigarettes and alcohol. And really? Yep. Tweeting? Yep. I Just believe it. I don't know who they are. I'll tell you that. I found it very easy. <laughs> I found it very easy too. Um, I'll have a beer though. <laughs> yeah, I will too. 60% of females admit to being addicted to social media. 50, 56% of men, they're afraid they'll miss something if they're not constantly on it. And then half of the, the respondents entirely said the social media makes their lives feel worse, but they would never leave. That's it. They would never leave. They can't get out. They would never leave. So I, I think the story on LinkedIn and the findings is pretty interesting. Um, is it ethical? It could be debated. I thought the findings were interesting that the, the weaker connection yielded the better result for job prospects. I think yeah. it sort of talks to that that um, understanding that people like to keep their personal life and work life a little bit separate and perhaps the weaker connection you know, is enough to get your foot in the door but not enough that it's a personal connection as well. Yeah. Whereas, you know, the one that's your best mate, maybe he'll stitch you up at work, you never know. <laughs> but there's also the point that it was also made in this story that the study, you know, it has a, a, a bias perhaps that, you know, if you want to get more jobs, you just got to spend more time on LinkedIn. <laughs> so, yeah, there's that too. Uh, very interesting stuff. Now, what's the long weekend hold for you? The last long weekend um, until the Christmas period. Yeah, it's sad. I love the long weekends. Uh, what have I got this weekend? I think I'm just working this this weekend as per usual. I've got a, a, v- a variety of birthdays and whatever else that Shannon's dragging me around <laughs> to. So, yeah, I'll just, I'm just the chauffeur. I'm sure it'll be enjoyable. Oh, I'm sure it won't be. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be all right. And I will be in front of uh, the TV at 12.20 on uh, Sunday to watch the Mighty Devils play the Panthers. I'm going to watch it from here rather than uh, travel because uh, it's just so much easier. Oh, yeah, of course. Absolutely. Much easier. Have a great weekend.